Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the Joe Gellhart fitness trajectory of the podcast, chuffing, chundering, but hopefully getting there. And I'm joined by the Rodrigo de Paul rumour of the podcast, Josh Hobbs, <laughs> reducing grown men to tears and almost too good to be true. And finally, the Leaf Davis centre-back appearance of the podcast, all over the place, and probably best not spoken about, it's Darren Driver. Darren, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, I've been waiting for my very good driver moment uh, from you since since I started doing this podcast, but I'm still away. No, I'm pretty good, thanks. Yeah, everything's, uh, as ever, the summer's getting a bit long for me and I am just want us to start playing again and naff all this transfer talk and friendly uh, drama-rama. Hmm. Someone who loves transfer rumours, though, is Josh Hobbs. <laughs> how are you doing, Josh? Yeah, I'm good, mate. That was quite a nice intro for me, that one. Yeah. Reducing grown men to tears and almost too good to be true. Yeah. Well, you see, I have to end with the, the negative one. And, uh... Well, I'm normally on when Darren's not on and then I take the brunt of it. So this, this time I got, the, I got swapped <laughs> got in for a nice one. Yeah. Sorry, Josh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's get through the news for the week. There's not a lot really been going on. We spoke last week of the three R's of the of the transfer window. Two of those R's are now R's. One of those R's isn't, and they've been added by another R, um, Rodrigo de Paul. So let's start off by talking about Ryan Kent. Josh, you've spent a lot of time looking at Ryan Kent this week. Um, just give us a sense of what you feel about uh, Ryan Kent as a prospect to come into the team. Yeah, I, I don't know whether we'll get both of these, but I'd, I love the idea of getting both of these. Um, I think if I was choosing, I'd be choosing Rodrigo de Paul. But if we were getting, if we could get Ryan Kent as well, I really like him uh, in the uh, in a sort of wide forward role. If we've got Rodrigo Moreno playing at nine and potentially dropping a bit deep from nine, and then creating the space for him to sort of rotate centrally and run off the last man. Um, so I watched a bit uh, of stuff on him over the last few days. I made a I made a video uh, for for patrons uh, today just chatting about his performance against Braga uh, where he did that 
uh, to great effect, scoring the winning goal uh, by getting onto a through ball, uh, running off the last man. I th- I really like him. Uh, I think he would be real competition uh, for Harrison potentially take his space uh, in the lineup. Uh, I know some people hate the thought of that, but I'm one that likes the thought of that. Um, yeah, I, th- I think he would be a good, uh, a really good option for us in, in that position and I think he he offers different things to Harrison Harrison is very much a uh, chalk on the boots winger uh, and I think Kent is a bit more versatile he can do that but he can also come central and do a lot of damage there have you seen much of Ryan Kent Darren yeah just a bit of stuff on Y Scout this week just just because we'd been linked with him yeah like Josh really really impressed I, I haven't watched as much of him as as just Josh has but I recall the the goal that Josh was just talking about against Braga, um, and just really impressed by his directness. Really, I, I really appreciate mm. that in a wide player. Rodrigo de Paul. I don't think any of us would have expected to be linked with a player of his caliber. Darren, have you seen much of of Rodrigo de Paul? Not huge amounts. Again, just just stuff I've I've been looking at on on Y Scout, but. Um, yeah, he, look, he looks really, really impressive, doesn't he? Really kind of classy and 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 incisive, and and looks like the kind of player who could really, you know, make a huge difference at our level. I'd, I'd be surprised if we got him. And I know that things are kind of going on, uh, but it, it feels like a big, a big ask to me. I don't know what what you guys think. Mm. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. I I mean, we're talking about a Champions League quality player. I think here, mm. <laughs> like just a little bit of. Um couple of stats things so this is from fbref.com for anyone that wants to check it out uh, they use stats bomb data which is one of the the best uh, companies out there for data they've got this metric uh, that's called shot creating actions uh, which is basically any action um, that leads to a shot and it's the last two actions before a shot so so that it's not just like assist and pre-assist kind of thing. Um they have open play passes uh here and he ranks 8th in the league for open play passes leading to a shot. Uh so he is just immediately behind Paolo Dybala and just ahead of Ilicic uh of Atalanta who a lot of people <laughs> were talking about as a sort of potential Ballon d'Or winner if this uh if they'd had it this season. Uh, and then on the flip side, that defensive actions, uh, he is sixth in the league for for uh, pressures per 90. So he's super creative and super pressy, <laughs> which <laughs> is like he would just be perfect for us. But equally, I just feel like we, we're, we're going to get our hopes up and then find that we're watching him in the Champions League playing for somebody else. <laughs> that That's how I really feel. But... I mean, I'm on my knees for this one to happen because it would be he he would be like a transformative player for us, I think. And looking through his profile, he's very versatile, um, which is actually, to be honest, probably um, something which unites most of the players that we've been looking mm. at this window. Yeah. Obviously, Bielsa likes to likes a player who can who can play a few different positions. Where are we thinking that he would actually fit in in the, in the system if if he were to arrive? Personally, I think. He comes in as the advanced eight um, and sort of takes... And uh, in, in the last couple of games, Pablo came back into the starting 11 uh, playing in that position. And I think he would start there. Uh, and then we've got Hernandez to come on 
either to uh, either if um, DePaul is is tired or we want to put him on the or we want to put Hernandez on the right maybe um, it gives us a couple of options there but I feel like he he could be our longer term solution to the fact that Hernandez is is now 35 and um, he's just not a player that I would have ever considered uh, being an available option for us otherwise I'm sure he would have been in my uh, in my series that I wrote about uh, a successor to Hernandez I set a 10 million pound budget for that so just as now we're talking about 30 to 35. Yeah, it's aside. crazy. Do we have any thoughts about whether or not there's going to be a big tactical shift up in terms of what we do in the, in the season? And have, you, have you had any thoughts on that, Darren? No, I think it'll be very much uh, as before. I think, I think that the system will, will, will be very much as uh, operate as it did previously. Although, you know, the system does, cha- does change dependent on the players in those positions, doesn't it? So you, you couldn't possibly say that Hernandez and Forshaw interpret their their roles as advanced eights uh, in, in the same way. So I think it would just be very much dependent on how those players interpret the role. But I think system, mm. the system, by and large, in terms of the attacking sense at least, will, will remain very much the same. Yeah, and um, I've just done this video um, that's on the Patreon as well, um, looking just looking over the goals from the Stoke game this week, just to see what was going on in terms of the system and what was going on defensively as well. And from what I saw... The, the same sort of system was being used. Um, it was pretty much a four-one-four-one with with a, a deep-lying centre midfielder and then two free eights. And um, I think I suspect that that's what will will go on next season. I don't see any reason to change that. I think the only reason why there might be some sort of tweak is because Rodrigo Moreno doesn't really fit into any of those positions particularly well. Um, so I think we'll see like the same system, but different as Darren says, um, depending on, depending on where he plays. Um, let's talk quickly about center backs then. Um, there's been, we've been linked to a, a few, um, center backs but none, none of which seems particularly certain apart from the Dinamo Zagreb youngster Vardiol. How do you say his first name? Josko? Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a soft S, so it's Yoshko, I suspect. Yoshko, Yoshko Gvardiol is how I would say it, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> You'll be better than me at it, mate. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. Josko. Josko, yeah. <laughs> Josko, Josko! <laughs> Give us a wave! <laughs> <laughs> the other name that has been doing the rounds has been, well, today, Ben Cabango, who plays for Swansea, who was playing in the game that we played against them most recently. Um, Axel Twanzebe as well was, was being touted at one point. How are we feeling about the centre-back situation? I guess we all want centre-back backup. Um, it, does anyone have any preference on? I mean, Guardiola obviously is a an incredible talent. Um, he's going to cost twenty million if we get him, which is a lot of money. And from what I think it was Graham Smith today who was saying that that there's um, there's a level of uncertainty about whether Leeds even will get another centre back. But um, Josh, how are you feeling about the centre back situation? Yeah, I mean, I really hope that we get one because I mean, we I'm sure we're going to go on and talk about. Uh, the preseason game in a, in a minute, but um, that's a great example of what happens when both our centre backs aren't around. Is that <laughs> we play a couple of children at centre back and get beaten up by a championship team. Um, so that I have I have concerns about that. I wasn't so concerned when um, 
when Berardi was around because I always felt there was an able backup. Um, whereas, yeah, I want someone. I love the idea of getting uh, a super talent in, which I think Vardiol is... He's really, really highly rated. Um, and he could be one of those that uh, just in a couple of seasons' time, we're talking about the kind of money that we've just had turned down uh, for... Well, no. <laughs> we're already, already talking we're already about there, yeah. <laughs> that kind of money. So we're talking about a lot, a lot, a lot of money, um, potentially, if he if he comes in and does well. However, my one concern about him is, can he step up and play in the first team if he's needed this season? Because I I'm, I'm really want to think about year one in the, in the Premier League at this point. I don't want us to overstretch uh, in terms of like buying a big signing for the future yeah. when we haven't actually fully established ourselves yet. Um, so in that regard, I prefer, perhaps I prefer Twanzebe or Cabango because I feel like they could come in and just play. Um, however, should qualify that, that uh, Gvardiol has played like 800, 900-odd minutes in the top division in Croatia. So it's not that he hasn't played men's football, it's just a big step. And Darren, you've mentioned a few times that you were a, a former centre-back and you're a fan of defending. So what's your take on this whole shenanigan? Yeah, very much like the look of um, Gvardiol. He looks absolutely fierce and the sort, exactly the sort of uh, centre-half I like to see. Um, not, a play to put, not afraid to put his head where most people wouldn't put their foot. Um, you know, that kind of... He, he looks in- incredibly strong. He looks incredibly quick. Um, his use of the ball looks really good. Um but like like Josh, I would have some reservations about bringing him in this year. I think I think we need a more steady a steady signing at the moment. Who's somebody who isn't necessarily going to play every minute, but that won't necessarily put them off. Should they be you know on the bench for a lot of games and just come on for uh, just come on when we've got injuries or just start the game when we've got injuries? And I, I just I just wonder about about the idea of that. I mean, yeah, either um, either of the other two options would, would, would work for me, but but I do very much like the look of him. And if, if we were to get him, I'd be delighted with that. Let's talk a little bit about the, the Stoke result. I mean, I think we'll, we're all going to come out and say, shouldn't read too much into pre-season. No, I think we should close the club, to be honest. I think it's an absolute <laughs> disgrace. <laughs> there are some useful uh, lessons to be learned from, from pre-season games. I think... One of the lessons we learned this week was that Leif Davis in centre-back is probably not an experiment to try again. Um, interesting things that were being done. Um, Luke Ayling playing at centre-back. Um, Shackleton at right-back. Ollie Casey as a defensive midfielder, um, none of which we expected to see. I thought um, Robbie Gotts looked like he had... I mean, I say this, there was about seven clips on the, the reel that we got, but it looked like he was he was struggling a little bit with, with the... With the marking, and it's it's very tricky, I think, to determine whether or not um, the issue is that the players are all struggling with the defensive system, or whether or not, given that Leif Davis really didn't cope with the defensive system, it put a lot more pressure on players like Robbie Gotts. Certainly, think that was the case for the second goal that we conceded. That he was sort of trying to cover his player and Leif Davis's player, and in the end, ended up covering neither of them. Um, anyone else got anything they wanted to add from from the? albeit uh, poultry offering that we were given in terms of video highlights. I mean, it a bit, it's, it's a bit of an easy easy kind of uh, thing to say, but oh, fucking hell, Kiko Kassia, Jesus Christ, <laughs> what was all that about? 
Uh, I mean, come for the cross. If you don't get the cross, that's fine. But but the the, the kind of charge back across his goal was kind of Keystone Cops esque, <laughs> um, and left him completely out of position. It's just what we've seen so many times as well. It's like you just when when we saw the tweet that said Stoke Stoke lead after a corner, like I I visualized that goal before I even saw it. Like I knew exactly what it was going to be. And I was right. Like, well, it it was either going to be that one, or it was going to be the one that he does, where he's fighting players on his line instead of trying to find space. It was going to be one of those two things. Uh, yeah, I, I was, my my thought was just, um, John. It's I didn't didn't quite interpret the lineup in the way that you did. Oh, yeah, uh, I don't. I don't. I thought it was Casey. Uh, Casey at centre back, ailing right back. Shackleton in midfield with Stroke and Hernandez, uh, but obviously some of the clips make it look like they're in different positions. But I didn't know whether they—that's just they've been pulled out of their positions and then they're covering men. Or it's hard to say when we haven't actually watched it. <laughs> yeah, and they changed up at half time, I think. So I think Stroke came off at half time, and that's oh, okay. when Casey went forward. Um, okay. So I think that maybe that maybe the problem is is that in the clips that we got there was. Two, I think two clips maybe, or th- maybe three clips of of the first half. I don't even think it was that many. I think it was the goal and then the um the Bamford miss. Yeah, these are Stoke highlights as well, aren't they? Like, yeah. yeah. Stoke have pulled this together, so there might have been some better stuff that we played that we did, just haven't seen. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. You know what it's like when when you uh you get one club putting together the highlights. I remember watching from the 2018-19 season when we went to Norwich and won 3-0, having absolutely completely pasted them. And I watched their official Norwich highlights and all you saw of Leeds was like the three goals and then it made it look like <laughs> Norwich, had, <laughs> Norwich had like battered us the rest of the game or something. It was ridiculous. But yeah, no, we won't be reading too much into it um, yeah. beyond, I think, as you've said, su- suggesting that, you know, the youngsters, the, the gap between playing... Uh, uh, under 23's level at least in the season before where they weren't even in uh, category one status um, is is much much uh, lower than than the level that the, the championship has to offer and obviously the Premier League is a step up from there as well but interestingly enough uh, the under 23's did play yesterday in a friendly against Wolves a game that they lost 2-1 but apparently um, lots of positivity although apparently I heard that all three goals were from penalties so um, whether or not that's uh, something to worry about, I don't know. But um, yeah, I did check today that it was Charlie a Cresswell. friendly game uh, rather than a, an, a Premier League Two game because Wolves are in our division in Premier League Two. But apparently that doesn't start until the week that we start. So we have actually got a piece coming out tomorrow previewing the under 23 season. Uh, that will be out free to read. So keep an eye out for that. I say tomorrow, you probably won't be listening to this till tomorrow. So I'll say today, um, but keep an eye out for it. <laughs> Right, has anyone got anything else they wanted to talk about in terms of news? We've managed to get 20 minutes out of the news, which is quite impressive. Heck. We need to get on with it, guys. Yeah, yeah judge to think how much we're going to talk about Ilan Meslier and uh, Adam Forshaw, because <laughs> they are players beloved of, of more than more than one of us in the, in the podcast. As before, we'll just run through uh, a little bit of the players' history. I thought we'd start with Ilan Meslier, just so that we can uh, keep moving Darren along. <laughs> 
Ilan Meslier was 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 a, a child prodigy in in France. He played for Lorient in in France. Um, started off with their youth team, played for their second team, and then had a full season pretty much in their first team, which I believe was was quite impressive. And when he came to Leeds, he, he obviously came on loan and then has been has been bought. But when he came to Leeds, people were making out he was some sort of inexperienced ingenue. But um, you know, he did play. He played twenty eight games I think in the league um, for Lorient which is not insignificant so he did come with with a certain amount of, of pedigree and I do think this is something that we talk about a lot actually just competitive games are quite important for a player's development so he was clearly good enough to be playing first team football albeit in league dirt I think they were at the time but those those sorts of things are important um, he's got France under 18, 19 and 20 appearances and he's in the squad for the under 21. So his trajectory in that respect is is good. Um, I, As I always do, I sort of try to farm the Wikipedia page for the interesting bits. Um, I did notice that um, that uh, Lorion rejected a 10 million euro bid from League Onside AS Monaco for Meslier, or Melier, I should say. I've got to get my head around that. Um, but also, interestingly, um, there was interest from Premier League side Chelsea. Uh, so no surprises there. Who are they? Some club, yeah. they yeah, got a crap manager. <laughs> yeah, and then the other thing, just he kept a clean sheet consecutively in his first five games as a pro- professional, conceding his first ever goal in his sixth game against Paris FC. Uh, so there you go. Clearly um, some some pedigree there. And then just a funny line, style of play. This is in his Wikipedia. Due to his appearance and physical stature, not just his physical stature, his appearance as well, Melier's goalkeeping <laughs> style has been compared to that of the of Belgian goalkeeper Thibaut Courtois. What do we think of that? I think it's absolutely cast iron as a comparison. Yeah, just, just <laughs> what, what does he look like? He must play like him. Yeah, we see a lot of that. <laughs> Man who is tall. <laughs> Plays like other man who is tall. <laughs> Gangly goalkeepers, all the same, yeah. Right, enough of me talking about, about Melia. Does anyone else want to say anything about his, his career? Obviously, he doesn't really have much of a career today. He's Is he 19 now, I think? 20, 20 now. 20, yeah, okay. And Darren knows that because he's got a copy of his uh, birth certificate, haven't you? <laughs> Hanging on the wall. Not only that. <laughs> <laughs> First memory of uh, obviously there's not a huge amount to go off, but let's start with you, Darren. When did you, when did you first become aware of the love of your life? Um, well, I was obviously aware of him when we signed him. Uh, I've always had a real interest in, in goalkeepers. Um, at the 1992 Championship Trophy uh, thing, I was the only kid. He in, wasn't uh, even born then, Darren. No, Come no, on. wait a minute, wait a minute. I was <laughs> yeah. just just to contextualise. I was the only kid. I'm going off on a soliloquy in, already. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only kid in the goalkeeper shirt, which is just shows you. I've always had an interest in keepers that, that fascinate me. I think they're really interesting. Melier, the, the first time I saw him play was against uh, Bristol City at Ellen Road, and I think it was his second or third under twenty threes appearance. Um, and I, you know, I understand that you can't really judge. Um, a player at 23's level although I think you can get more of an impression of a goalkeeper at that level because goalkeeping is effectively a different sport from from outfield play I think um, and I just I just came away very very impressed it wasn't that he did anything spectacular in that game but everything he did was done with an absolute command and assurance um, and that's what that's what impressed me that there was nothing happened in the entire match which seemed to phase him in any way he made the saves he needed to make there were a couple of you know good to very good saves i remember him tipping one ball over the top and and, and that being quite impressive so i just came away thinking that, you know this this kid looks really really good 
I don't think it's surprising that he's um, been very good at under-23s and looked comfortable because, as we know, he's already sort of played a, a season above that level. Uh, so I think, yeah, he's too good for that. Uh, but I hadn't really watched him in that. I'd only really seen footage of him making a few penalty saves in the 23s, which I think was a bit his calling card to start with. Uh, so Arsenal was, was my first real glimpse uh, of him. Uh, yeah, really impressed. It, what a game to to make your debut. And um, he was one of the sort of standout players in a standout performance. Yeah, I would caveat with all of this by saying that I don't really talk about goalkeepers very much because I don't really understand goalkeeping. I know that's a cliched thing to say. <laughs> um, so everything that I say will be will be should be taken with a pinch of salt. But the Arsenal game as well, um, my first memories really. Um, I had watched a couple of 23s games, but I don't really focus on goalkeepers beyond there. And this is why I try not to talk about them too much, but beyond their distribution. I thought in the Arsenal game, his distribution was ex- excellent, possibly better than it's been since that game. Yeah, I think so. But let's not get on to weaknesses now. <laughs> Let's move on to favourite memories of... Hobbsy, do you have any favourite memories uh, to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't want to nick the one that I can already see that Darren's put on. <laughs> so I'll say, um, yeah, late in the game uh, against Swansea, uh, after Pablo has, has scored that sensational goal that we all sort of felt was the moment, we still needed to see that game out. And yeah. Swansea got a corner and... Uh, as is my want, I was shitting myself uh, as as the, as the corner came in. But he just casually just came out and just just caught it. Just simple, but uh, as we've talked about, something I've become very accustomed to seeing go completely wrong uh, with somebody else in in goal. Um, so it was just nice to think, oh yeah, it's it's actually all right. This we can just defend corners if the keeper just comes and just catches the ball. Yeah, that was a. Just a great moment, just composure, good handling, just some simple basics. He's he's done really well. Mm. And Darren, I think you've got a, a more iconic moment as your favourite memory. <laughs> yeah, I was actually I was actually split between two memories. One of which was the save he made against Huddersfield when when he sat on the ball, which which I, which <laughs> I enjoyed a lot. But but the the one I've uh, gone for was that absolutely insane sprint down the pitch after Pablo scored that goal at Swansea. It was like he'd been momentarily overtaken by the spirit of Gianni Alioski and he just kind of went, went like like the absolute clappers. It was brilliant. I loved it. Uh, I still I, I watched that you know I watched that goal as much as anyone else does, but I always like the celebrations running as well because it's yeah. pretty amazing. I wonder what his hundred meter time was on that. It must have been yeah. pretty. <laughs> must have been pretty good. The legs just. They're they're going rapidly, but they're also just making up so much ground. <laughs> it's like it's the just, BFG, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just a, he's, he's across the pitch and just a few bounds. Incredible, uh, beautiful. In terms of the best game in the league, I guess we're all going to say maybe Arsenal. Um, I certainly thought that was uh, probably. I mean, in terms of the the, the occasion and uh, the performance he put in. Anyone got any advances on Arsenal? Yeah, I, I've put Charlton. Um, because I know, like, we were just completely bossing that game. Charlton were nowhere. But then suddenly they had a few chances. Uh, and when he needed to make the saves, uh, he made a couple of really good ones, actually. The one-on-one save that he made. And then the one from, 
I think it sort of bounced around from a corner and then it looked like I'm I'm sort of just trying to remember this but I feel like it was like a volley from six or seven yards out and he got down quickly to it and saved it and yeah there was the header as well yeah yeah because he in all honesty he hasn't made a lot of saves for Leeds because he hasn't really had to um so that was a game which stood out to me because they were some top saves uh and then I also just wanted to say uh his league debut uh, against Hull uh I thought he looked a little bit nervy in that game um but it was just a huge moment for him to step into the side uh at such a key point in our season and he he sort of grew into the game and he's never looked back since he's got in the team I think Arsenal was his best game I think you're right but I thought he was also very good at Ewood Park towards the end of the season he said there was one particular I think it was a one-on-one that that really needed dealing with and he dealt with it really well so let's move on to the scouting section. Unfortunately, I haven't got that much uh, access to um, the data. Uh, I assume you put this stuff up, Josh. Yeah, I put this in, yeah. Do you want to just, just talk a us through it? little things. Yeah, I just went through and ca- just calculated how many shots he's actually faced that have been on target. So he's only faced 29 shots on target uh, in, in all competitions. So that includes the Arsenal game. And the league games that he's played, but not under twenty three's uh, games, presumably. No, no, just literally first team. Uh, five goals conceded, so his uh, save percentage is eighty two point seven six. That's very high. Um, but then that is a very small sample size of shots. I don't think we can be making real conclusions about that yet in terms of s- stats. Um, his expected goals conceded. So this is based on sort of the quality of the shots uh not just where the shots have been taken from uh his expected goals conceded was seven uh so he's managed to keep that down uh kept at kept two goals out basically so we can sort of conclude from his save rate and from his expected goals conceded uh that he is a good shot stopper um but before i want to really confidently make uh say that i want to see a lot more in terms of goalkeeping stats, we've we have talked to um, John Harrison on our Patreon uh, podcast before, so there's there's clearly a lot of interesting data stuff to be done, um, and I think the best places to go for that are generally specialist um, goalkeeping data analysts. Um, but let's go on from here to just talk about his strengths and his weaknesses from the the sort of eye eye test perspective. Darren, talk talk us through what you think it is about. Melier that you think makes him such a good goalkeeper? Sure. I want to caveat everything I'm about to say by saying I completely agree with Josh's point that we've not seen a lot of him and, and that time will reveal whether he's as good as I think he is. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think the, the main thing I, I really like about him is that um, he's got just incredible composure when it comes to the goalkeeping fundamentals in terms of his handling, in terms of... Um, in, yeah, just in terms of the assurance that he seems to bring to all his work, I think his reflexes are really good. So the, the, the saves, a lot of the saves that he has made, and a lot of the saves that I've seen in the in the other uh, in, in Y Scout from um, Lorient days and from um, from uh, the international football that he's played um, have demonstrated really quick reflexes. Um, I think his decision making in his own box is really good. When to come, when to punch, when to catch. Um, I think his handling is really strong, um, and I think the decisions he make, makes about his distribution 
not necessarily his distribution in and of itself, but the areas in which he puts the ball um, are, are really strong. He kind of strikes me as the kind of goalkeeper who will make the saves you expect him to make without a lot of fuss. I think he makes very good and good saves, but I don't think he'll make many that you think are breathtaking. I don't think he's that kind of spectacular goalkeeper. I think sometimes you need to trade solidity for the spectacular, and I'll, personally I'll take that every single time. Uh, he look, In terms of the way he keeps goal, not necessarily in terms of how good he is, he, he reminds me of Edwin van der Sar. He makes it a six-yard goal, he keeps 80% of the goal. Um, and he makes sure nothing daft goes in. And I think if you contrast that with our other goalkeeper, I think you, you see um, some some real key yeah. strengths that spread calmness across the defence in a way that Kiko yeah, Kazir yeah. never has. To- I totally agree with that. I, I totally agree with that. To be honest, I think, yeah, I think I think he it is. I think it is the just the calmness that 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 he really brings. Um, yeah, like I said with that Swansea moment, it's the. There's something about him coming for crosses compared to Kiko coming for crosses, and uh, yeah, I I I don't know I I don't know what I think about the the saves um, situation yet. I don't know if I would say some of the things that Darren would say, um, just because I feel like I want to see more before before I say it. Um, but I think largely, I think Darren's on on the money there for me. Presumably, you'd both be happy seeing him starting in the Premier League. Uh, I think I, I would, I want him to start over Kiko for sure. Uh, but it, it, I think if you, if you said to me we could get Romero or Martinez, then I'd say yes, please. Um, but I, do, I don't think we're getting either of those players. So yeah, I want him to start. <laughs> Why would you take them over Melier? Um, because they have. I mean, they're probably two of the top goalkeepers outside the starting goalkeepers in the top four. I mean, I mean, better than in the case of like uh, Kepa at, at Chelsea. And I think that they are well proven at a top level. And we don't really know that about Melier yet. He might be like Darren's confident in, in him. Uh, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm just uh, overly cautious about him because he's, He's young and I've hardly seen him make very many saves. But it's not his fault that I haven't seen him make very many saves. It's just not many teams <laughs> took a lot of shots against us during um, the uh, the time that he's been in goal. If I'd seen him over the course of the season play the way that he did, then pr- I'm sure I would be much more confident. Let's move on to weaknesses then. Darren, we'll go with you again. What what do you think his weaknesses are? Yeah, um, there, there were three weaknesses that I thought that I think I can see, one of which is the one we've already touched on, that his actual distribution in terms of whether he finds our player can be a bit variable. It, it sort of seems to swing between absolute, being absolutely superb like it was against Arsenal to the, the way it was against Hull, which was the complete other end of the spectrum where he was putting relatively straightforward 15-yard passes into touch. Um, I think that his positioning when players... Approaches front post can be a little bit suspect. He sometimes gets sucked into his near post and leaves quite a big gap at the far post. There's a really good example of that. One of the uh, saves he made against Charlton, he got sucked right into his front post and I think he was quite lucky to get away with it, the one that he saved with his right foot. And um, allied to that, I think that that's, that goes in combination with a slight kind of... I think this is probably to do with his age and his physical development, but I think that he could get more power power and explosiveness in his spring. Um, and I think that had he had that, 
or better positioning, he may have had a chance of stopping the first Cardiff goal. Um, which, yeah. which is not to say that I think it was a mistake, but I think that a goalkeeper with more explosive power or slightly better positioning may have saved that. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you about that. So I remember um, when I wrote uh, the piece that I wrote soon after uh, soon after the season restarted, which was about basically the Leeds get um, get punished uh, overly harshly for the chances that they they give away. Uh, and I realised when I looked back through that we actually hadn't conceded at all uh, from outside the area before uh, before that that goal so even though we've got a lot of criticism about Kiko he hadn't let in a single shot from outside the area um that seems to be more his strength uh his reactions for those kinds of shots um and I felt like I felt like he had yeah taken a bit of a wrong step he was a bit out of position and he just could not react it was a really well hit strike but I think if he if he'd been positioned slightly differently he would have comfortably dealt dealt with it and I I think Kiko would have saved that uh, as much as I don't like him in goal to to an extent I agree I think Kiko's strengths are are those long shots he's he's really good at pulling those saves off I think any goalkeeper um, if any goalkeeper had saved that high look shot it would have been a really really good save that's the only caveat I would give to what you just said oh yeah yeah but I mean I just I think of I think it was in Kiko's first game Against Rotherham. Rotherham, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable it, yeah. save from a J.I., yeah. I think it was. Yeah, I remember it, yeah. It was really good. Uh, no, it was from, I think it was from Will Volks. He just made this ridiculous save. But that, like, that's where I think he's good. And I don't think he's good in n- many areas. But th- that is one where I think he's better than Melier. I think I, I would just caveat all of this discussion by saying it's really harsh to judge a goalkeeper on a on a turnover of possession which leads to a chance which is much easier than a relative chance from the position might have been otherwise yes yeah yeah agreed yeah yeah it it wasn't as i said in my piece it's like the xg on it was like a 0.03 or something like that but there is no way that that was a, that is scored three times out of a hundred by a in that position like he had no pressure on him as he strikes the ball a, a good quality professional footballer will score that probably more often than not with in terms of if he's got good shooting technique it, it, it beats the keeper a lot of the time with the power that he can get on it planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, let's move on to Adam Forshaw. Adam Forshaw 
is a player who has had an interesting saint. career. Patron saint of football, as I like to call it. <laughs> I was going to say of all stats, aren't we? But we'll, we can go to football if you, if you uh, want. Yeah, but a player who's had a really interesting career. Um, he started out at Everton, went through their youth system, um, although he only has one um, appearance for them. Um, and that was that was in the Premier League. Um, in a, it was an 82nd minute substitution in a three nil win over Wolves in 2011. So again, another player that we have with with a huge amount of Premier League experience going into the into the new campaign. He's played in the Premier League for Middlesbrough as well. That's true. He played a full he played a full season for Middlesbrough, but he went from Everton to Brentford on loan and then made that a full. Um, uh, signing and went from there to Wigan Athletic I just an interesting thing about about his time there um, that he was actually signed by former Brentford manager Uwe Rosler uh, back to Wigan and so there's a few players that we've talked about in in this series who actually been signed by Uwe Rosler um, and ended up at Leeds weirdly I think Stuart Dallas was signed by Uwe Rosler as well but Brentford I'm loving the way you're saying his name that's tremendous. Properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just brilliant. It's brilliant, mate. Yeah, sorry. It's like, it's like when you said uh, VF Bay. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't lived that down. <laughs> In my defence, I watch German football, and this is how they this is how they say it. <laughs> I'm not saying you say it wrong, but I'm just used to the awful British pronunciation. Uwe Rosler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on, if you if you're from Leeds, it's Uwe. Uwe, Uwe Rosler. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a wave. <laughs> Sorry, John. Yeah, so he goes from Wigan to, to Middlesbrough and ends up playing a full season in the in the Premier League for them. Um that was the season where I first came across him and I was really impressed with him that season. I thought he was quietly probably their best player that season. Um and so I was thrilled when he eventually joined Leeds in 2018. Um, I, in terms of going through and finding interesting things from the Wikipedia page, I noticed he's had ankle surgery to um, to correct a long-standing ankle problem. I wondered whether or not that maybe had been a cause of his of his later hip problem, because as we know, everything is connected to everything else. And uh, as soon as one thing There's goes, a song then, about that. There is a song about that, yeah. And the, I believe the ankle bone isn't that far away from the hip bone, so. <laughs> Um, uh, there may be some kind of correlation there Um, and then the other thing that I've noticed is that in November 2016 Forshaw was linked with a call-up to the senior national side Um, (laughs) so there you go he was linked with a call-up whatever that means Mm. that's good that's better than a transfer rumour yeah no yeah international career rumour um, and then the only other thing that I just found bizarre in his Wikipedia page was in the trivia section, which comprised of this. In August 2019, Vorschel was one of the main stars of the Leeds United documentary Take Us Home, documenting the 2018-19 season. The documentary was narrated by Academy Award-winning actor and Leeds fan Russell Crowe. There was only one star of that documentary, and it was it was Rads. <laughs> <laughs> Let's he, not get into this one. <laughs> I still haven't seen it, and I... I intend to keep it that way. You're not missing much, mate. So anyway, that's that's the career, the life and times of Adam Forshaw. I think a, a sort of journeyman midfielder who's never really been appreciated for his true quality. So um, I've mentioned that my first memory was was him playing in the Premier League in, in the season before he arrived at us. Anyone else want to talk about their first memories? I don't necessarily have a, a specific first memory so much as just 
a sense of him vastly improving our midfield from the moment he came through the door. It was like suddenly we had this midfield player who was rounded and competent and could look after the ball and just looked like he knew what he was doing. And it was quite a shock to the system for a moment there. Mm. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty much how I feel. That I just remember him being superb after he joined uh, in a really bad team yeah. at that point in time. Like we were, we were just plummeting. But it was basically him playing well in midfield and Hernandez scoring goals, cutting in from the left. Uh, that those were the two sort of bright spots in a horrendous second half of the season. Um, and I remember that it it was a the reaction when he got injured before the first Bielsa league game uh, versus Stoke. It was a huge blow. Like I remember Twitter was like, "No, for sure is our only good midfielder." Because <laughs> No one believed yet that Phillips was going to be the player that that he's turned out to be. We still didn't really know about Click. Um, so it was this huge blow. Then Click obviously established himself in that position and for sure went from being a guaranteed starter to basically being the backup for KP. Mm. Uh, and I think that was a really difficult role for anyone to have uh, because basically you're now the the backup to the fan favorite uh, and the player who's got the role named after him like oh Forshaw's playing the KP role and so instantly if he makes any mistake he he just got jumped on uh, that that season i feel like that's my sort of that's more than my first memory but <laughs> but that's mm. like how i feel yeah. the, the the narrative went for for Forshaw until this season he sort of re-establish himself i think one of the tricky things we're talking about someone like for sure is that um he he inhabits that sort of position on the team where you almost don't want him to be noticed to be to be playing well it's almost as though if he's not noticed he is playing well and that's and that's fine um so when we when it comes to talking about maybe favorite memories of it might be difficult because for me my favorite memories of him aren't individual moments per se yeah. So much as games where I kind of felt, you know, he just controls the midfield and does everything right, um, progresses the ball. And I think as we'll go on to talk in the stats section, you know, his ability to move the ball from through phases of play is absolutely brilliant. Um, so so in terms of that, does anyone have any does anyone have any specific memories or games that they, they thought that, that, that were were sort of indicative of, of what it is that Adam Forshaw is about? So his, for me, my favourite sort of memory of him is is his part in that beautiful first Dallas goal um, away mm. away to Stoke. Mm. Gets the ball, moves it out of his feet quickly, makes makes a yard for himself. Lovely crisp pass, uh, and like you said, John, it kind of went largely unnoticed. Everyone focused on the on the next bit, which was the layoff and Pablo's pass through, which obviously was amazing. But it, it what Forshaw did gave gave uh, Pablo the platform to work that little bit of magic and, and I think that's absolutely uh, what what Forshaw does yeah I'm, I'm sort of cheating with with my answer for this one but I'm, I'm just putting his whole run of form uh, after this season started and before he got injured that Stoke game obviously being part of it and um, but I just felt like he just reminded everybody what he actually what his role is what he is good at and you just saw after two games, just the sort of public opinion on Forshaw just just turned. Um, Twitter was suddenly like, "Oh yeah, he's he's really good." I forgot that. And he mm. yeah, he just he was 
he was sort of playing in a different way as well. Like he was playing a lot more. Um, I think he was almost more advanced than Click. Um, yeah. And although he, he's, as we'll talk about, he's not great in terms of the goal threat. Um, <laughs> he was linking play really, really well, moving us forward. And him being in midfield with uh, with Click, uh, just we were just recovering the ball high up the pitch a lot. Um, yeah. So I'm cheating with that answer, but that run of form was was excellent. And I think had he had he stayed fit we've said a few times that we just think we were just going to completely plow the league yeah i think you know we've shared the xg the rolling xg plot from this season quite a bit because it really does show that when we were playing at the beginning of the season with Forshaw in the team we were just barely giving up any chances and creating the best chances yeah no one was getting in our half yeah because we were just winning the ball back so quickly yeah and uh, i think and as a result of that you know leads i think that was the best team of the Bielsa era I know we talk about this a lot but the Bielsa time at Leeds uh, that 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 team with KP for sure and click in the midfield was just absolutely uh, magisterial um, if you were to be forced to choose a best game in a Leeds shirt what would you go for Darren it feels like a lifetime since I last saw him play to be honest but um, it could be any game from the start of last season like we've just been talking about or it could be any game where we manage to get Click, Forshaw, Calvin and Pablo or three out of those four on the pitch at the same time. But I'm going to go with a slightly off-the-beaten-track choice of the 2-0 win against Derby um, just after Spygate last year when he played the KP role. Uh, and, and he was <laughs> absolutely magnificent. Um, mm. And I, I just remember being in absolute raptures about him after that match. He was, he was incredible. I don't think that's off-the-beaten-track because that's what I have. Okay, fine. Let's like, walk, let's walk yeah. down that track together. <laughs> you two are just hipsters, aren't you? Just hipsters. Yeah, he just didn't let them breathe in that game, and it, like obviously that game got the 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 headlines went to Spygate, went to Jack Clark for for his uh, for his starting debut, but for sure gave the platform for that to happen. Uh, yeah, he he just won the ball back so aggressively, time and time again. And for me, that performance is up there with the the other two uh, best performances I've seen uh, in that position. KP pocketing Jack Grealish uh, when we drew with them with Villa at the end of 2018-19. And then this season at Brentford when he just didn't let the Brentford front three get the ball at any point uh, other than when Kiko just let them score. Um but yeah, I think that showed that he can be fantastic in that position. Uh, he'd had a bad game. Uh, he went on to have a bad game in that position against Norwich, but it was just a one-off for me. And it's, that's why I feel we really, really need him to be back fit this season because he, he is by far the best choice to have take that role if Phillips is ever injured or uh or suspended, which he is definitely going to be in the Premier League. So you see him then as being like a potential six replacement then for for KP. Well, I I think he can he can start as an as an eight, and he can be a, a DM very comfortably. I think Stroik obviously came in and played well there at the end of the season, but I would have for sure ahead of him mm. in that role every day of the week. Would would Cock, would Cock be a choice there? Because I know it, it, it looks like he's played that role quite a few times for Freiburg last uh, year, didn't he? I, 
I don't want to see that when we've got no other centre backs. I, I I don't want to see that either. But I, but I suspect that's part of Bielsa's thinking. Yeah, Cox is interesting because he played in um he played in a midfield too when when he played at Freiburg. So whether or not that means that he wouldn't be quite so good if he was isolated as a one, I don't know. Mm. Um, but he certainly he certainly sort of played in that position. Um, Let's just. I, the reason I ask you, Hobbsy, is because when you actually look through his data from at least this season, and again, this comes caveated with um, the fact that it's a low sample size. He only played 624 minutes this season in the league. Um, actually, when you look at his his overall profile, his 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 defensive side is probably the weakest side. So he only puts up 1.6 tackles per 90 um, at a, a success rate of 52%, which is pretty low. His interceptions are very low at 0.3 per 90. Um, pressures, he, he so in, in terms of pressing, he puts about 18.6, which is around uh, the median for, for the top five leagues. But <clears throat> that's pretty low again in a, in a Bielsa team. Elsewhere, his statistics are pretty remarkable i'd say um he he's an in, in, insanely good um ball carrier he breaks presses a lot so he makes 1.2 dribbles uh, per 90 but he does so at a uh, dribble success of 68% which is very good so he's very hard to take the ball off he wins a lot of fouls 2.2 uh, per 90 um which means again which suggests that he's a decent um a decent um, ball carrier in those situations and, and is fairly press resistant. He's also pretty good at aerials, weirdly, which I wouldn't have necessarily thought, but he, he won uh, 1.3 per 90 this this season. In terms of the attacking side of things, he uh, exits his own half 6.2 times per game. He makes 18.2 forward passes per game. He receives 22.5 forward passes per game and he only loses possession 7.2 times per game. Um, so pretty good in that respect. And then when it comes to XG and XA, um, his expected goals is actually very high for a central midfielder, considering he doesn't um, score that many. But he he made 0.23 uh, expected goals per 90 this season uh, and 0.08 expected ex- assists I think if you looked at his sort of again w- w- what the, the statistic that you were talking about with respect, respect of Rodrigo de Paul um, this shot creating actions or whatever it was he would yeah, probably be high he'd be pretty high in that I suspect final mm. third entries 5.5 per game and then 4.8 touches in the box as well so uh, he's pretty pretty much an all-round player with with maybe the defensive side of his game being perhaps the weakest but again I think we control the game so much that he probably didn't need to make a huge amount of uh, tackles in in those games so yeah it was a it was a role change in that he he played a bit further forward hmm and it, yeah, it was much more about his his passing, but he still he still made a lot of that. That sort of doesn't feel quite right to me. Yeah, I remember um, I remember when he came into the into the Heckingbottom side, he put he, he, his tackling stood out to me actually as something that he was that he was very good at. So um, I, I am surprised to to hear that too. And I think I think um, yeah, if if he was playing in that DM position, then he would make I think he would make a similar amount of. Uh, of tackles and interceptions and pressures as as Phillips, I think it's just he was used in that different uh, in that different role. Um, as Darren and I both mentioned that derby game, he was hugely uh, aggressive defensively in in that game, and uh, I think he's totally capable of that and would be better than anyone else we've got in the team apart from Phillips in doing that role. 
I'm just checking to see if I've got the data for him for last season. I actually do. Here you go. Um, so last season, I don't have quite as much data, but yeah, last season he's making 2.5 tackles per 90. Um, he's making one interception per 90, which is both of which are above the median. And his pressure is pretty similar, 18.4. So yeah, so he played a lot more in that DM role that season. And interestingly, if you, if you look at what he's doing um, in terms of, um, ball uh, press resistance his dribbles are much lower so he's making 0.7 dribbles per 90 and um, he's uh, only winning 1.8 uh, fouls a game as well his expected um, goals is down at 0.04 um, so he's obviously much further forward this yeah, season it's, com- it's completely different mm. so he's playing a different role and I think I suspect that well look we've got the data there uh, defensively, he's he's very decent. I just suspect he didn't have to do that much last yeah. season because we controlled the ball so much. Um, anyway, let's move on because um, I could talk about Adam Forshaw's um, press resistance. Press resistance. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's an exciting phrase. Hobbsy, do you want to talk about any of his strengths? Yeah, I just I I think he's really intelligent. Mm. I think I know everyone. All of us will talk about just the way that he. He just constantly finds space to keep the ball moving. Um, He is never standing still. He's always just little quick, sharp movements uh, and then pop it off to the full back, get it back again, go inside to a midfielder, get it back again. Um, He's got a really nice uh, ability to switch the play. Um, Game that really stands out uh, is the Forest game at the start of this season. It was the second game. Uh, Harrison was staying really, really wide in that game. It was like the that game is the example that I would give of Leeds overloading the right uh, and switching the ball to Harrison in space. And it just my image of that game is Hernandez passing to Forshaw, Forshaw pinging it out to Harrison, and Harrison not knowing what to do with it in a one-on-one situation. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, trying to take someone on and cross something like that. Trying to take, take take someone on three times, usually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was trying to say something positive and I just sort of ran out. Uh, it, was a, it was a valiant effort, Josh, valiant. <laughs> yeah. Sort of, do I shoot? Do I, Should I take it? Um, I think my favourite meme that we put out last year was the, <laughs> yeah, was the don't guy shoot, with the... Don't shoot, don't pass. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the guy with the button sweating and it's, yeah, don't shoot, don't pass. The Harrison conundrum. <laughs> we, do, we do love Jack... <laughs> we just sometimes find him frustrating. He can be frustrating, can't he? Yeah. But he is he is a, a good football player. <laughs> and an improving football player too. Yes, he is improving. Yeah. Much better than his first season. I'm sorry I've sidebarred on... Yeah, I was um, going to say, we're at a risk of not talking about Adam Forshaw anymore. You know. Move on, move on. I don't get many chances to talk about it. So. <laughs> Darren, is there anything you wanted to add to the strengths? Not really. I, th- I think it, it, it kind of boils down to decision-making for me, uh, particularly when he's playing in the eight role. When to carry, when to pass, when to you mm. know when to take a touch, when to put his foot on it, um, his range of passing, all excellent. I think he's just a kind of outstanding modern midfield player what about weaknesses Darren yeah I, I think I, I think I think of him as being very right footed and I, I think that means that 
particularly when he's playing in the sixth row, he can be caught in possession when trying to get it onto his right foot. And I think of a couple of examples from the Norwich game that um, mm. that Josh referred to earlier, where where people were saying he was ponderous and he was circling, when actually what he was trying to do was he was trying to move the ball onto his stronger foot to, for the pass. Um, the other the other main thing I can think of is that in in that initial run of games at the start of the season, it looked like he could have you know, 12 chances a game and not get anywhere near scoring any of them. <laughs> it might have been that he just needed one to get him going, you know, that kind of mental thing. But um, He even had a header, didn't he, which he did. came off the post the and fell to Bamford, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Bamford shinned it in <laughs> on the line. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, th- those are the only two things I can really think of. Oh, I suppose the other thing that, that I haven't made note of on, on the, the running order is that I think you have to look at his injury record since he came yeah. to the club and, and say that he's not been available for enough minutes with the caveat that I'm not quite sure how much he could have done about that. I did, hadn't quite picked up on the on the weak foot thing. I think I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and check that, see, see if I agree with you. But I think it's a good theory for sure because that game he definitely was getting the ball nicked off him, uh, which I don't, I've, to be fair to him, I haven't seen him get the ball nicked off him a lot at all. Uh, and that stats profile showed that he's, he doesn't lose possession like, uh, like other players do. In fact, he keeps it far, like he's, he's in the, like what, the 94th percentile or something there. Um, so he doesn't normally lose the ball, but in that game, he yeah, he got robbed on a couple of occasions and we were punished for it. Um, and yeah, whenever he shoots, it just feels like giving the ball away. I look forward to being fully shamed in the group chat about the uh, about the one footed comment. Then. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna break down a Y Scout report with all of his left footed touches. <laughs> just gonna no, but it's a good theory. I'm, I'm interested in that, and definitely the, the injury thing. Um, weaknesses, uh, body. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's fair. Glass legs. <laughs> hip ankle and then whatever those bones are connecting to or whatever yeah. it is <clears throat> well it's been truly pleasurable for me to talk about adam for sure and then the other guy that we talked about tonight <laughs> yeah some keeper but you know as all things do this must come to an end in terms of housekeeping if you like what we do do look around and see our social media profiles so most of our stuff goes up on twitter at all stats aren't we if you really like our stuff and want to get more of it head over to our patreon there's plenty of bonus material that goes up there as josh has said he's just done a long scouting report video of ryan kent which is going up in the next few days and i've put up a a video analysis of the stoke goals uh, so that we can start looking getting back to used to Leeds playing competitive matches if you are interested in that do head over to www.patreon.com forward slash all stats aren't we three people who have just done this are Simon Tinsley Dave Woods and Wiggy so thank you guys for joining us we'll be back at the weekend, we'll be a little bit earlier this week because the Premier League is kicking off next week. Flipping It's scary, isn't it? The summer is completely gone. <laughs> we have our Premier League season review coming out early next week, hopefully Monday morning, ready for you. And then we will have a Liverpool preview episode on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be us going, ah! <laughs> It'll be us counting our centre-backs going, nah, can't see it, can't see it anyway it's nearly time we're nearly back in the premier league so thank you for joining us and we will see you again very shortly
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 